We're going to get started. Glad you are here. Glad you made the effort to be here. A couple of very uh, quick announcements. I want to remind you, the ladies' night coming up uh, Tuesday night starts at 6 o'clock, uh, having barbecue, brisket, all the stuff that goes with that. I promise you it's going to be the best of the three events. All of them have been great. All of them have been fun, uh, but it's going to be a great time Tuesday night. So ladies, plan to be there. Uh, invite folks to join you. Encourage folks to join you, and, and we're looking forward to a great night Tuesday night. Also, you may have noticed, uh, starting Sunday, if you were here Sunday, uh, we started the anniversary of our 100 Sermons uh, So Love series. Well, we've started resharing those again, and our hope is that more people will watch them the second time as we share them, uh, and so far that's held true. More people watched the first one than watched it last year, all the way to the fourth one to today. So if you're on Facebook, when you see that coming up, if you can like that, if you can share that. Uh, they say every time somebody shares it, a new 87 people get to see it. So if you'll help share those all the way through, and again, we're praying uh, that God takes that, blesses it, uses it, and so help it be in prayer for that whole effort. Now, let's start with a word of prayer tonight. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for um, a church. We're thankful for a people. We're thankful for a mission that we serve together. We're thankful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're thankful for hope that stands tonight, for peace that a world can't provide, but that we have in the finished work of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just come and we seek you tonight. We, we want to hear from you, uh, from your word. Lord, I pray for our, our kids' classes that are meeting right now, our, our youth classes, uh, the other adult classes that are meeting. I pray that you are known. I pray that a foundation is built. I pray that your truth uh, draws us to you, makes us uh, see who you are, and that seeing you, that we love you, and that we desire to walk in obedience and faith. Lord, I pray for the, the time that we're about to go into. I pray again that you would lead, that you would speak, and I pray all this would bring great glory to your name, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're going to continue in our, our Wednesday night Bible study, the grand scheme of things. Now, this is week 22 already. Time goes very quickly. Uh, the lesson is called Time to Go, and you're going to see that why it's called that, Time to Go. Our key verses are found in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 6, and then verse 10, and then Joshua chapter 1 through 4. Again, our key verses, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 6, and then verse 10, and then the very first four chapters of the book of Joshua. Again, that's more than we're going to read tonight, more than we'll look at. Uh, we're going to pull things out of those chapters, but I would encourage you, go home and read that. Maybe the rest of the week, read those cha chapters, uh, and I promise you, God will, will lead you, bless you in uh, the reading of his word. So again, the first four chapters of the book of Joshua. In the immediate context uh, for, the, for the setup of the verses we're going to look at tonight, uh, we know God has heard the cries of his people. He's seen their terrible plight as slaves there in Egypt, and he has provided a deliverer in the person of Moses. Now, he makes it very clear he is the one that's going to save them. He is the one that's going to deliver them, but he's going to use a person. He's going to use a leader, and that person is Moses. We also know God has delivered his people from Egypt. They have been delivered. Now, they've crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army have been crushed under the Red Sea, and so Egypt is no longer the issue. They've got some issues they're dealing with, but Egypt is no longer the issue. They've been delivered. 
They're free from bondage. They're free from the slavery they were enslaved in, and Egypt's no longer an issue. Uh, remember the, the, the account. They, God leads them. God provides for them manna, uh, quail. He leads them. He leads them to the edge of the promised land. Uh, remember the, the truth. They grumbled all the way. seems like they're never satisfied. Every time God provides, they raise up another issue. They talk about It'd be better had they never left Egypt, had they died in Egypt, or had they had the pots of meat there in Egypt. They grumble all the way. Well, God leads them to the edge of the promised land. Then, there they did not trust him. Uh, even having seen all that they had seen, which is a pretty amazing thing, the, the provision of God, the hand of God, the might of God, um, crushing Pharaoh and his army, Having seen all that they've seen, they do not take God at his word. That seems like a crazy thing. Uh, they get there, they send in the, the spies, the 12 spies. Uh, Ten of them come back with a negative report. Two of them respond in faith. They take the report of the 10, and they do not take God at his word. God said this was the promised land. They do not trust God, and so for that, God sends them back into the wilderness. Uh, they're going to wander there for 40 years. God tells them that's their punishment. Uh, a year for each day that the spies were in the land. And then God tells them everybody older than 20 years old will die during that 40 years as they wander in the wilderness. Everyone except for Joshua and for Caleb, uh, the two faithful spies. So that's, that's their plot. They go back to the wilderness. Can you imagine leaving the promised land, turning around, going back into the wilderness, and there, as they spend the 20 years, everybody 20 years of age or older will die. That has happened. Now, that is what, it, what we've walked across in our account, and then that brings us up to where we're going to start tonight. Those things have happened, and that brings us to where we're going to start tonight. All right, we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 6. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 6. Here's our starting place. Now, Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. Jericho. He's across the Jordan River. He's opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of God, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Verse 6, And he, God, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Poor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Now, I'm going to jump down to chapter 34, verse 10. It says this, Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. All right, picture that for just a second. Imagine that for just a second. God takes Moses up on this mountain. 
and he looks into the promised land. It's about a 400-mile span. He sees Jericho, the city of, of Palms. He sees all the land that God has promised, and it's, it's actually the promise of God, the promise that was made to Abraham. There it is, the promise uh, that God will provide this land. He's looking at the promised land. However, it's a weird thing. The Bible tells us, except Moses is not going to go in. He takes him up on this mountain. He shows him the promise made to Abraham. He, he shows him the promised land, except Moses is not going to go in. Now, I'm going to back up to chapter 32, verse 51. It's going to explain why. Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel, the waters of Merkadesh Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. God tells Moses, you're not going to go in because you did not treat me as holy. You didn't treat me as special as set aside. And then it says the, 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 the main thing is he did that. He broke faith in front of the sons of Israel, in front of the Israelites. Now, that's a, that's a weird thing. Every time I pass by that, I wonder about that. No prophet has been like Moses since then. Here's an awesome guy. He walked in faith. He did tremendous things. When he had the episode where he broke faith, the people are railing against him. He's caught in the middle. He's upset. And yet, he's not going to be able to go into the promised land. Can you imagine looking into the promised land and dying on that side of the Jordan River? He's not going to go in. Why does that happen? Why is that here? Why is that? And I, and I see that and I go, what in the world is, is that all about? Well, here's a point I came to. I, I looked at that and I've always wondered about that. I always kind of feel sorry for Moses. Uh, he, he looks in but doesn't get to go in. And here's my conclusion. We do not know exactly why God holds that standard. We do not know why that is like it is. God could have been gracious. God was gracious. He didn't just let him die. He takes him up, lets him see into the promised land. I see a lot of folks offer answers, and I'm not sure that's the answer. Here's what I say. We do not know why this is like it is, but here's some things we can pull out of it. All right, we see what happens. Here's a couple things we can pull out of this. The first thing we see is this. There are consequences for our failures. Um, God is gracious, yes. God is forgiving, yes. He tells us that, but that doesn't mean there aren't consequences for when we fail. You know what? He failed, and God is gracious. You know what? He's going to be on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, he's, he's recorded as being a no prophet greater than him, yet there are consequences for our failures. Sometimes we act like we can be flippant. We can be careless in how we live, and you know what? That's going to be erased. There are consequences for sin. There are consequences uh, for times that we fail. So that's the first thing. There are consequences for our failures. The second thing we see right here is this. Leaders have high, a high standard as they publicly portray God and his honor. And I think that's an important thing to realize. Leaders, God's leaders have a high standard, it tells us the same thing in the New Testament, as they publicly are tied to and portray God and his honor. 
Notice the verse says, before the sons of Israel. He was a leader. He was supposed to be leading them to, to be faithful. And yet he responds in a lack of faith. And so guess what? We see here, God is serious. His leaders have a high standard as they publicly portray, proclaim God and his honor. And then the third thing is this, and I, I think this is important for us to understand, is that God is to be revered and we do not set the terms of our interactions with him. And I, I see that and go, well, I want to do it my way. Well, I did it. you said do it this way and I did it that way and you should forgive that and you should get over it. Well, the truth is, God is God. God is to be revered and we do not set the terms of how we deal with God. Sometimes there's things that I don't like and things that I don't understand, and I, I complain to God, and I, and I say things that maybe I shouldn't say, and I forget the truth. God is God. God is to be revered, and he sets the terms of how we relate, how we interact with him. So a couple things we pull out of that. Moses dies. God buries him. I think that's interesting. They, maybe they would have made a shrine there. Maybe they made it, would have worshiped that spot. God buries him. It says no man knows where that spot is. Moses is dead. But before he dies, and then immediately after he dies, uh, Joshua, the faithful spy, one of the two faithful spies, is now commissioned as the leader of the people. So Moses has died. Uh, God oversaw that. Joshua, before Moses dies, and then immediately after Moses dies, is commissioned as the leader of the people. Let me start off now in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Verses 1 through 5. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, to the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. All right, there's the transition here. I want to point out some things already in just those five verses. Here's some things we see about God's leader here. First thing is this. Notice this, Moses. Notice this with Joshua. We're going to keep seeing this. God calls his leader. God appoints his leader. God commissions his leader. And then we see in these verses, he also empowers and enables his leader. Verse 3, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. And so understand, it wasn't public opinion. They didn't get together and say, well, it looks like this guy's done a good job and we like him and he's related to half of us. God picks the leader. God appoints the leader and then God commissions, empowers, and enables the leader. So you know what? God's leadership is decided by God. That's what we see right here. Then we see here that God makes Joshua some promises. It is a daunting thing to lead these people. Moses would have told you that. 
And so as he calls Joshua, he makes him some promises. Now, let me, let me point out the promises he makes in these five verses. First, he says this, he is giving them the land. Now, that's always been the message. He's giving them the land. That's when he, when he gave the good report, he says, God is with us. God is giving them the land. So the first thing he can trust is this, the land is theirs. God is giving them the land. The second thing he promises Joshua, no man will be able to stand against you. He promises him success. Nobody's going to foil you. Nobody's going to trip you up, mess you up. No man will be able to stand against you. So there's a promise of success. Then he says this, God himself will be with him. God will be with him. I will be with you. Um, I think about that. That sounds like an easy thing. That is a huge thing. Can you imagine God says, I will be with you. Where you go, I'm going. What you're doing, I'm doing. God himself says, I will be with you. So that's a huge promise. Then he says that God will not fail him. God's not going to get fooled. God's not going to get messed up. And God will not forsake him. Forsake in the original language means to turn him over. So God's not going to say, you know what, I'm sick of you or I've had enough of you, or I've decided to do something else, he's not going to turn him over. He's not going to forsake him, and he's not going to fail him. So he has these promises. He has been picked by God, set into place by God, and now he takes the lead. I think it's interesting in the second verse, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise, get up. Cross this Jordan, you and all the people. It's interesting to see this. As fast as Joshua is commissioned, it's time to go. We're going in. We've been, we've been traveling around, but now it's time to move. It's time to go. It's time to go in. That's the second verse. All right, notice this. In the account, big things are happening. Transfer of power, new leader. Here we are. God is with Joshua. Joshua is leading. It says that the people are responding the same way they responded to Moses. He is leading, yet there are requirements. Now, I want you to listen to this. He has appointed Joshua. He's put Joshua into place. He's made these promises to Joshua, yet there are some requirements. Now, there's two main requirements. There's, there's two pieces to one of them, but there's actually two requirements. Joshua, you're leading. But there are two requirements. Let me show you the requirements. The first requirement is this. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. Verse 7 says, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Go to the 18th verse. There it is again. Be strong and and courageous. And so the first requirement is this. Joshua is going to have to be strong and courageous. The word strong in the original language means firm, strong, prevailing over, secure. Now that's the that's the definition. What does it mean to be strong? Sometimes we we make that too weak, just be strong. It's more than that. Be firm. Be Secure, be prevailing over. The, the idea is be fixed or be solid. All right, the word courageous. What does it mean to be courageous? In the original language, that word translates stout, 
bold, listen to this, steadfastly minded, established, here's my favorite definition, obstinate, even obstinate, not going to give, not going to bend. What if logic says this? What if public opinion says this? Be obstinate. So he says one of the requirements is you're going to have to be fixed and you're going to have to be solid and you're going to have to be steadfastly minded. You're even going to have to be obstinate. You're not going to have any give. Here's the point to that. Listen to this. To stand, to walk in faith, and to move in obedience, evidently is tough. Evidently that's hard. And that's what God is saying here. He's telling them how it's going to be. He's telling them what to do. But evidently to walk in faith is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And it's going to require him to be steadfast, have immovable boldness, a, a, a tremendous resolve, and to even be obstinate. So you know one of the requirements of Joshua is this. You can't bend. You can't give. You've got to be stout. You've got to have resolve. That's one of the requirements. What is the opposite of that? And I want you to think about that. What is the opposite of that? Be strong and courageous. Compromise. Give in. Fudge a little bit. Cut a, cut a few corners. To bend. I was talking to somebody and they said to wimp out. The opposite of being strong and courageous is to say, well, you know what? It won't all matter. It doesn't all have to be right. To compromise, well, we can compromise a little bit. To, to bend, to even wimp out. That is the opposite of being strong and courageous. God says we're going to go in, but you must be strong and courageous. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. What if he is not? What if Joshua is not strong and courageous? They're not going in. Now, God's going to keep his promise. He, he'll find a way in. He'll find someone that is strong and courageous. But for whatever reason, he uses people. And you know what? What if, what if Joshua says, let's go back to Egypt? What if Joshua says, let's go somewhere else? What if Joshua leads him to go drown in the, in, the, in the river there? If he's not strong and courageous, they have big problems. He has to be. That's why he says, only be strong and courageous. Let me ask you this. How many leaders wash out? And they got, they've got big, they, God's told them this, and they're going to do that, and they're going to be resolute, and they compromise, and they compromise, and they bend a little bit, and maybe they bend to the pressure of the culture, but they, they wash out. Here's the truth. God works through people. I, I think that's the, the silliest plan ever, but that's his plan. He's infinite in wisdom. And he calls them to be resolute and unflappable. You can't bend. You have to be resolute. That brings us to the second requirement. Now, I want you to see this because the first one doesn't mean anything without the second one. He was supposed to be, now listen, we are to be solid, unbending, strong. But in what? What, what in? What, in leadership skills? In, in, in motivation, what is he supposed to be unbending in? Verse 7 and 8, listen to this. Only be strong and very courageous. Listen, be careful, be careful 
to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Listen to this. It shall not stop coming out of your mouth. It shouldn't depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. The answer is this. What they're to be unbending in, what they're to be unflappable in is the word of God. It's the same today. We are to be set in, solid in, and uncompromising in the word of God. Let me tell you this. I, I thought about this this afternoon. God promises us success when we say, this is the word of God. I'm going to line up with it, and I'm not going to bend. Here's the deal. Here's the problem. Today, we are so flippant about the word of God so lackadaisical about the word of God that we can't be resolute and fixed in it because we honestly know so little about it. And so you know what? We're supposed to be unbending. We're supposed to say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God has spoken in this issue. And yet we say, well, 30 minutes a week, I'll come hear a sermon. Well, I might miss half of those. Well, I'm not going to study God's word. I'm not going to memorize God's word. We're so flipping in it that we could never be resolved in it. Listen to verse 8 again. This book of the laws, do you see the commitment? Shall not depart from your mouth. How much have you talked about the word of God? How much have you, have you memorized it? How much have you studied it? But you shall meditate on it when? Day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. The secret to success is this. Hold on to the word of God. Follow the word of God. Be unbendable when it comes to the word of God. All right? There is a new leader. They are set to move in. Now, there's a couple of accounts that are awesome. I would encourage you to go read them. Uh, they send scouts again into the land. God commissions that. Um, they, they come to Rahab uh, an awesome story, an awesome account of Rahab. She protects the scouts. She actually hides the scouts. Uh, she believes in faith who their God is. Listen to verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. She knows who God is. She knows their God is the one true God. She believes that in faith. So acting upon that faith, she hides the scouts and, and they are saved. And then through that account, she is saved. Now they tell them when we come back to the city, if you'll hang this cord, this scarlet cord outside of your window, you and everybody in your household will be saved. She becomes a great-grandmother to David. She becomes a, a, a person in the, uh, the genealogy of Jesus himself. All right, so there's a great story of Rahab. Uh, she is saved by faith. 
She knows who the one true God is. The account continues. They come to the Jordan River. Uh, the Jordan River is in flood stage, and then God stops the Jordan River, and they cross through on dry ground again. A very great miracle. Let me read chapter 3, verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and when those who carried the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. The waters which are flowing down from above stood up and rose up in one heap, a great distance away at Adam, the city that is by Zetharim. Then those who were flowing down toward the Sea of Arabeth, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho, and the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing. The Bible tells us in that account, when the priests stepped into the, to the Jordan River, now listen, the Jordan River is flowing, it is raging, it is in flood stage, it's not dried up, it's not in a drought. And when they stepped into the water, then the water stopped. Now I think that's very interesting, very important. Not before. Now listen, as they get close, God could have stopped it. When they got ready to go in, he could have stopped it. But that's not what happens. He says, when they step in, the water will stop. stop. Now here's the deal. Had it happened before, it would have been a miracle. It would have been God's great provision. However, there would have been no faith. There's no faith. When they get to a river and it's in flood stage, somebody actually has to say, I take God at his word. I believe what God has said and step into a river in flood stage. The problem all the way along, guess what? They didn't have enough faith. We're going to starve to death. We, we should have never left Egypt. Uh, the problem when they got to the, to the river's edge 40 years earlier is they had no faith. We can't overtake them. There's giants in the land. Their problem has always been a lack of faith. Well, guess what? If they're going to go in, it's going to be in faith. That has never changed. If we go to the promised land, it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so somebody has to have faith and step into the river while it's rolling, while it's raging along. And when they step in, guess what? The, the river stops and they go through on dry ground. I want to talk about today. Today, today, us, our walk as followers of Jesus Christ. Today, the Bible says faith is what pleases God. Now, you say, you know what? I want to be pleasing in God's sight. I want to be a blessing to God. I want to please God. However old you are, your goal ought to be to please God. Here's what the Bible says. Faith is what pleases God. Listen to this. The Bible tells us faith, it's not just a big proclamation. It's not just the speaking of words. Faith is shown in obedience and trust. So faith is what pleases God. Well, listen, faith is demonstrated, is known in obedience and trust. We have to do what God says. And so here's the deal. Today, we are to live in faith. I want you to listen to these words. We are to live in faith. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is shown by obedience to God. We are to live 
in faith. Now, I want you to think, sometimes we think faith to do big things, faith to try crazy, huge things, faith to take giant faith-requiring steps. And maybe it means that, but that's, I think sometimes all we think about. God, if you'll tell me to, to do something huge, you'll make it clear, I'll do that thing. It may be that, but listen to this. It's probably not like that. It's probably step by step by step. Or maybe it's a string of steps. And so we, we come and say, God, if you'll tell me to stop in front of that train and haul it up with my hands and push it to a stop and you made it clear, I'll do that. I want to do big things in faith. But what if it's not that big? What if it's a command, this is what you do with your finances? Or it's a command... You have to trust me and obey me and honor me in your entertainment, the songs you listen to, the shows that you watch. Or you have to trust me with your mouth and how you gossip or how you lie or how you talk about people. You're going to have to show me obedience in that step. I, I, I think it's important to see this. The step of faith was about a foot long, about the size of a sole of a foot. The faith God calls us to walk in as we live with him, it's just a step, a step, and a step. Will you obey his word in that step, in that step, in that step? Let me ask you a question. Do you think God is going to call any of us for big things if we're dishonoring him in the small things? And so, we, you know, I'd like to be used like that, and I'd like to have this, and I'd like to see God work but I don't really care what he says in this area. And I don't really care what he says in this area. And you know what? He'll show grace and he'll forgive that area. Do you think he's going to use us for the big things if we dishonor him in the small things? Listen, in all things, in the small things, here's the lesson of this. We have to hold to the word of God. So how, do, how does it say I'm supposed to be a, a father or a mother? How does it say I'm supposed to work at my job? How does it say I'm supposed to handle my money? How does it say I'm supposed to treat other people? It's in the small things that we live in faith, walking in obedience. All right, the last part of our study tonight, we go to chapter 4, Joshua chapter 4. Let me, let me read that. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, because the water of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. 
Thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, just as the Lord spoke to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes and the sons of Israel, and they carried them over to them to the lodging place and put them down there. I'm going to read ahead chapter 4, verse 21 through the end of the chapter. He said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I want you to hear the last of that. You tell them what happened here. You tell them how it happened. You tell them what he did in the past at the Red Sea. You tell them what happened here at the Jordan River, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God tells them to remember. Strange thing, they've crossed over, they're, they're moving on, they've got things to do. But he says, take these stones and make a memorial to remember. God tells us the same way. Read, we read scripture, tells us to remember. Then he tells them this, to be prepared to tell the next generation. You tell them who God is, you tell them what the God we serve, you tell them what he's done, you tell them what you know of him. Here's how I want to end tonight. I want you just to think about this. Right now, right now, where you sit, what would your testimony be? If somebody said, who is your God? What do you know of your God? What has your God done? I can't tell about the Jordan River. I can tell them God's word says that it's true. But what would your testimony be? If somebody said, what is your testimony? right now, of who God is and what God has done. Would you have one? What would you say? What is your testimony right now, who you know God to be? And then the last part of that is this. This is how we're going to end. So who have you told? Do your friends know? Does your spouse know? Do your kids, do your grandkids? Would your grandkids say, my, my granddaddy said this, my grandmother said this, so the question is this, who do you know God to be? What's your testimony? And the last part is this, so who have you told? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. Who have we told of our great God? I'm going to ask if you'll stand on, lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. I'm glad you're here tonight. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we thank you for your word. We're thankful for the truth of it. I pray as we listen tonight that we would be encouraged that we are to take steps of obedience led by your word in all things, the small things, the things that nobody sees, the things that nobody thinks matter, but in all things that we would line ourselves up and walk in obedience, walking in faith, taking the first step. And Lord, I pray as we do that, that it would honor you that it would please you, that you'd be blessed. And I pray that you'd trust us with bigger steps, 
steps that bring great glory to your name. But I pray, Lord, that we'll be faithful in the next step. And I pray each of us, again, would know your word to the extent that we could walk in obedience. Lord, I, I come and I thank you that we know who our God is. Most of all, we know in the cross of Calvary that you are gracious, that you are just, that you are perfect, and that you are love, and that you send your son, that we'd be forgiven of our sin, not of any work that we would do, but in the grace of God and the faith in Jesus. And so, Lord, we come and we say, we remember you. And then, Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful to tell the next generation, our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, our co-workers, the folks we travel through life with, that we would we'd be such a boastful people about our Savior and our salvation that it would bring great glory to you. Lord, again, I pray for our kids learning tonight. I pray for our youth learning tonight. I pray for us in this room. Help us, Lord, to go home and think about it, study it, to remember it, and then most of all, to be doers of the word, to put it into practice. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, we come, and, and a couple other things you tell us that you hear our prayers, and you tell us, Lord, that, that nothing is too big and nothing is too small. And so we pray for some in our church that are ill, that are hurting, that have suffered loss and death. We pray for some that are for looking for answers. I pray, Lord, that you would speak and give wisdom. Lord, we come tonight, and I pray unashamedly for rain. I pray, Lord, that you'd open up the heavens and you would, you would water your earth, and it would be uh, tremendous, and that it would point back that there is a living God, gracious kind and powerful, and so we ask for rain. Lord, and then we just come and tell you we love you, and we worship you, and we praise you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad you're here.